Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Robert Wensveen, who is Director of Business Operations at the University of Calgary. Robert and podcast host Amrit Alawalia discuss the resurgence of non-credit offerings and how to bring a level of professionalism to delivering these offerings across the institution. Robert Wensfeen, welcome to the Illumination Podcast, my friend. It's great to be chatting with you. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again, Amber. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I mean, those of you who've been longtime readers of the evolution will remember Robert's name. Robert has been a, a consistent and, and really, really passionate supporter of our work for well over a decade. Uh, so me personally, I'm, I'm immensely grateful uh, to Robert and the team at the University of Calgary for sort of all all the the passion and all all the drive that they have to transforming lifelong learning, continuing education in in Western Canada and Canada broadly. And and Robert, for you personally, man, it's it's great to be chatting with you. I, I'm I'm always excited when we get the chance to connect. Oh, uh, same for me. You know, I think uh, it's been what about ten or eleven years now that we've known each yeah. other ever since yeah. you started, and uh, with uh, Destiny and now Modern Campus and. Uh, it's uh, it's always great to connect with you. I've always admired, you know, the work that the evolution has done and uh, how it's, uh, you know, really uh, promoted and progressed our field, uh, you know, and, and, and not just within Canada, but obviously across North America and even into even into Europe. Absolutely. And you want to know what I mean, that's really where, where I want to start us off, because we're seeing. And, you know, again, we've been talking about this stuff, you and I, for, for a decade, and there's been folks in this industry who've been talking about it for, for multiple decades. We're seeing now more than ever a real spike in the interest when it comes to sort of scaling and expanding non-credit uh, and continuing ed offerings. And I'm just curious, you know, why do you think that's happening? Why do you think there is so much such this renewed interest in this space that's been it's not, you know, we've, we've been here the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really, you know, over the past few years, we're really seeing this absolute spike in interest. Well, I think, you know, for, for us in Canada, what we've seen is through the downturn in the economy and through the, the, the fluctuations and the instability uh, and through COVID, we, we've kind of seen this resurgence because people are coming back to something that's short, something that's quick, something that's scalable, something that works with their lives. I mean, here in Alberta, uh, a big focus in recent years has been on upskilling and reskilling. And, and now, of course, the economy's better. Oil and gas here is, is doing better, but, but the interest is still there and we're booming. But we're also booming, I think, nationally across Canada, as you said. And, and I think it's also because the federal government has been supporting continuing education, short programs, reskilling, again, reskilling and upskilling. It's it's something we've done on the professional side. And although we may not necessarily be a vocational player, we certainly do focus on professional and continuing education. We focus on those short credentials. It's interesting to me that, you know, we this is a second resurgence, if you will, for the for the sh- short credentials, for the the badges and and you know I'm not sure we're going back to what we would normally call MOOCs, but mm-hmm. but but we are certainly seeing a resurgence in uh, or a renewed interest in these short credentials, uh, such as badges or short certificates. And I think it's also part because going through COVID, uh, people had time on their hands. Some had some disposable income per se, uh, and so what what else are you going to do with your time? Uh, and, you know, why not take some professional development because get yourself ready to go back into the workforce 
perhaps with some additional skills or perhaps with some new skills. So I think that's mm -hmm. part of it. But I think also it's it's been promoted provincially and federally within Canada anyways. Um, but but it is interesting to see the resurgence in micro-credentials. Uh, that, that is interesting because it was popular for a period of time and it kind of <laughs> faded off. And now it seems to be picking up again. And it's a convenience factor. I think there's, you know, institutions are starting to look at uh in a in a greater way laddering options and scalable uh you know ways that they can scale into certificates or credit certificates and but but i'm not sure that credit is as popular as it was just because of the cost and the commitment and the fact that it, it would seem that the generation that we're seeing coming up is more interested in short quick fast yeah. learning and competency-based learning no absolutely and what's interesting you know is that the it's a it's a supplier side and a demand side shift as well, where we're seeing, you know, from the employer perspective, more interest in skills based hiring from learners perspective, more interest in actually developing and, and communicating key skills. And from the higher ed side, we're seeing some pretty disconnected, I'd say, approaches to addressing the demand. Um, and your career has obviously been at the center of you know, the the pivot point really between operations and strategy. So as you think about this sort of very siloed approach that so many institutions are taking to non-degree or micro-credentialing, what are some of the drawbacks when different departments and different faculties all tackle the development and delivery of, of alternative credentials and silos? We've seen this in recent years at the University of Calgary where, um, you know, all the faculties and departments in one shape, way or another have actually been in this field of non-credit and professional mm -hmm. upgrading or professional continuing education. Uh, what we've done recently is we've tried to condense this or we've tried to bring it all in underneath our central registration system because it's a very distinct, you know, it's very distinct here between credit and non-credit at the University of Calgary. And many institutions are like that. And so what we've tried to do is offer, you know, our expertise to the greater community. And, and really a lot of them have, you know, jumped at that opportunity. Um, you know, we've had some success from senior leadership at the university in order to promote that. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen is that we've seen a mix of those that are doing this and they're doing it independently and we're supporting them in terms of the system support and some of the process support and some of the integrations that we've built over the years with other campus services and other campus systems. We've also seen some of them, uh, you know, really just relying on us to provide all of the operational support. So the program coordination, the student services, we have teams that do that because we're a larger entity. And so we've been able to start to provide some of those services to them where they just focus on the creation of the academic uh, delivery and the courses and the certificates what that they're building or the micro-credentials. And so uh, we provide that service and, and it keeps it uniform and it keeps it consistent across mm. the institution and it's cost effective because there are economies of scale. We already have these teams, so we have coverage. It's not off the side of somebody's desk that's doing it part-time or a small group. There are some independents, and they're they're but but they're also very small and, and I think they have challenges as well in some ways in terms of managing their programs and their student expectations and needs just because they don't have the staff to do so or they yeah. don't have the processes defined in order to do that. 
So it's interesting, and you, you highlighted sort of the economies of scale. You highlighted the the opportunity to bring a level of professionalism to this work that so often is it's an afterthought or it's it's an adjacent thought. How are you seeing the role and and sort of the the recognition of continuing ed of your unit evolving as you shift and adopt this sort of a consolidated administration approach as as the rule across the University of Calgary? I think it's it's changed the attitude in recent years. Uh, we are more of a community player. We are we are at the table. We're not on the side, or we're not you know not at the table. Yeah, uh, you're present. We're, yeah, we're present, and we're yeah. and we're thought of. And you know when when they when they do major system changes, they actually think of us uh, because other systems affect us too. It's not just you know us and the system we manage. But it's other systems as well. So we are uh, much more ingrained in the community of the institution than we were in the past. Um, I think they respect and they're starting to understand and learn that the business of continuing in professional education is actually a pretty tough slog. Uh, it's not as simple as you think, and it doesn't market itself. Um, we have a very strong marketing engine and a marketing team within our department, uh, and they all want access to that expertise. And push in the poll is that we have limited resources as well. We also have to care about our own business. We have to look out for our own business because we're dependent upon the, the revenues we make to pay our salaries. Uh, and, and for them, they may get grants. Or they may be partially funded through excess funds through their their faculty or department or the department within the faculty, and so they don't think about it in those terms uh, as much. And, and you know they have more of a credit lens where it's about number of students and the grants you get, uh, you know, in terms of helping to pay for that. But but for us, it's it's completely one hundred percent cost recovery or profitability, and so. Yeah. They, they know that there is that there's an opportunity there to provide professional education for their audience but they also are starting to realize that you know building that program and building them the brand recognition does not come easy and it and it's expensive and it takes time absolutely so I'm curious you know as you now this this environment isn't you know, it's a relatively new shift, if you, you know, in context, I'd say you guys are probably four, three, four years into it at this point. Yeah, at the U of C, uh, in terms of bringing on and supporting other faculties and departments, we're probably in our fourth year. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, you know, as you think about the process that it took to get to where you are today, yes. the, the work that you had to do, the collaboration, the, 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 the negotiation, the politics, yeah. what did it take to create broad buy-in around adopting this centralized sort of consolidated approach to managing continuing a professional ed across the university? Well, you know, I'd hate to say it, but I think, or maybe I, maybe it's just right to say it. I, I think that we, we funded it. Um, right. So we, we essentially are providing a registration system free of charge uh, and, and an ability to process, uh, you know, dollars and, and process transactions uh, web-based transactions, and they're not paying for that. They're not paying for mm. that infrastructure, at least not yet. There's There was talk about it. They're leery about it. It's not something they're used to. Uh, and so we haven't taken that step to actually go out and distribute, uh, you know, the cost across the other users. It's actually, you know, 
difficult to try and determine what should they be paying what shouldn't they are they in it for money are they in it for a service you know if 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 they're not looking to make revenue then then really how much should they be paying uh it, it, there's so many different models and even within our own continuing ed unit there's different models we offer programs that are at best break even but they're providing a community service uh we offer programs that do make a good return and and they help to subsidize right. those programs that we view as more community enhancing or personal interest in wellness um, because they're of value too and they hold the place so i think that uh that's been the, that's been the draw for them is that we are providing a base level of service for free uh, and we're making it easier for them to to work in this space they're still being challenged with how do they, you know, create that brand or that market recognition because they haven't really committed or they don't they don't understand the commitment that's needed in terms of uh, building out that brand and that market. So let me ask you this then, because I mean, I would say the benefit to the faculties is pretty clear of why a consolidated administration approach is is pretty great for them. What's the benefit for for the professional continuing ed unit? Why? How do you guys benefit from, from creating it, it, it this environment? Raises, it raises our status in the community. Right. Uh, it, it brings us to the table. We are viewed uh, more as a, a true player uh, mm. and an important player, and 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 we're part of the future. Uh, you know, we're viewed as the 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 way to get to where because they're starting to realize that the audience is greater and more expansive than just your typical four to five year you know, undergraduate degree or graduate. Uh, that's still important. And research is still the core focus of this institution. But but they are starting to realize that a lot of these departments and faculties feel that they have some sort of obligation to their graduates in terms of professional education on an ongoing basis. Some of them have to do it, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. Specifically, our continuing medical education department at the U of C, uh, they, they offer that as a professional service uh, to their audience, oh. you know, uh, it's something they're somewhat obligated to do. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they, uh, they they see us as a key player with knowledge and skills in that area in right. order to help support them in their mission. That makes a ton of sense. So obviously, you know, as demand for non-degree non and alternative credentials grows, as more and more institutions begin finding distributed ways of doing this work, what advice would you have for other continuing ed leaders and frankly, other senior executives that are looking to consolidate the administration of, of continuing ed into uh, in, into their CE unit, looking to adopt this model at their institution? Well, what we found works is leading with the carrot, not the stick. And that comes from the top down, from the provost level or the presidential level uh, all the way down. But, but that support needs to be there first. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that championed that whole project that we that we undertook four plus years ago uh, was because the provost wanted to do it. And it was something our provost at the time was supportive of, and she wanted to centralize. I mean, her greatest challenge was she didn't really know what was being done other than the reporting we were able to provide because they weren't using consistent methods or systems. Some were on spreadsheets. Some had an access database. Some were using some other, uh, you know, vendor like Eventbrite to do process transactions. But the reporting was scattered, and it wasn't consistent. And so, if you never really had a clear picture on what the institution was doing in terms of non-credit and professional education, 
continuing education. So, so that was part of the driver for her was to try to bring that all under one umbrella. And so that top-down support and leading with a carrot, making it appealing for them. So she, you know, basically uh, had us fund it to a large degree, that implementation, uh, so that it was appealing to them and they could see a value there. I think longer term, like there's been one faculty in particular that was set up as an independent and they were using the system and we set them up and we trained their staff and then they lost a couple of key players mm. and they came back to us and asked us to take over all of their op operational aspects. I think that's the trend as well. If you can offer they may not take it. A lot of them want to retain their independence and believe that that's the best approach. And if that's their belief, that's their belief. But I think if you can offer a holistic model of different levels of service uh, mm. that, that can appeal to them dependent upon where they see themselves in terms of their development uh, of their programs and, 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 and pr prove to them that you can provide different levels, they can have as much or as little independence as they want. But really, the message also should be that you know, what is what what is it you really want to focus on? Do you want to focus on operations or do you want to focus on the academic quality and content and development of that program of study so that it's the best it can be and leave the operations up to, a, you know, a much larger unit that has the capacity to manage that for you? Absolutely. Robert, it's it's always a pleasure. I'm so glad when we have the opportunity to chat. Now, the way we do close off this podcast is uh, with, with a little bit of travel advice and you know, if folks find themselves in, in Calgary, which, by the way, for any university leaders in, in Canada who focus on continuing education, you should find yourselves in Calgary next May uh, for the 2024 uh, Canadian Association for University Continuing Ed Conference. So with that in mind, what restaurants do you need to go to? Where, where do you need to go for dinner in Calgary? Well, that's a great question. You know, there are Calgary is a very multicultural city. Uh, we have so many great restaurants and so many different types of restaurants. But, uh, you know, Alberta is the place for beef. So I'm going to identify one for sure. It's called the Vintage Chop House. It is one of the best places to get a, a steak if you're if you're into that seafood as well. Uh, but that is one of my favorites. Uh, and, and there's a host of ethnic, uh, so many different ethnic restaurants uh, in different quadrants of the city. It's really just an exploration. And we'll have a list of restaurants uh, you know, <laughs> uh, as things to do, places to go. Uh, within Calgary, there's lots of great breweries. So the brewery scene and the brew pub scene uh, is, is really big here because um, the Alberta government in recent years has really supported that industry. And so there's some great places that have some great barbecues. So you can get some ribs, you can get some brisket, you can get uh, some really great barbecue to go along with some really nice craft beers if you're into that sort of thing. That's, I mean, sounds like a pretty decent weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, I <laughs> encourage everybody to look me up when you come out. That that seems like a pretty wide invitation. I think there's going to be a fair number of folks taking up on it. And Rob, hey, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Amrit. It's always great to talk to you. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner lifecycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. 
To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.